Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, growing in faith and friendship. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6 to 10. Paul writes, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So we're continuing our series through the book of Galatians entitled Freedom in Jesus. And today we're looking at Galatians chapter 1 and verses 6 to 10, where Paul seems to be completely livid. I mean, he just seems to be furious. You see, within first century Okay, within first century, uh, in first century letters, they're very similar to emails. You have the, the sender's name, Paul, verse 1. And then you have the recipient's name, the church is in Galatia, verse 2. And then you always have a greeting, so grace and peace to you, verses 3 to 5. And then there is always, always a thanksgiving. But, but in Galatians, there's, there's no thanksgiving. In, at this point in the letter, in every other of Paul's letters, at this point, Paul gives a thanksgiving, always. I thank God for you. I thank God for the report, reports I've heard of you. I thank God for this and for that. But over here, there is no thanksgiving. There's no niceties. But rather, Paul jumps straight in, and he goes straight on the attack. And we read in verses uh, six all the way through to nine, Paul says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, and so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Wow. I mean, that seems harsh. I mean, Paul's not pulling any punches over here. And just at the place where the readers are expecting Paul to thank God for them, he comes out with this. Okay, so what has made him so furious? What has prompted this this? passionate, harsh response. Well, it's all about the gospel. It's all about the gospel. Do you see how many times Paul mentions the word gospel? Five times in four verses. Different gospel, no gospel, perverting the gospel, a gospel other than what we preach, a gospel other than what you accepted. Five times in four verses, it's all about the gospel. The gospel was at stake. 
And we discover in verse 7 that there were some people who were throwing them into confusion and they were trying to pervert the gospel. Okay, so we need a bit of the background and the backstory over here. Now, you probably remember from last week, Paul, on his first mission journey, had planted a number of churches in the Roman province of Galatia. That is somewhere in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. We can read all about that in Acts chapter 13 and 14. But what was very significant was this was the first time that the church had gone beyond the confines of Jerusalem and Judea. You see, up until this point, most Christians were Jewish believers. But now, for the first time in these local congregations in Galatia, there were more non-Jewish believers than there were Jewish believers. So that's significant. And so when Paul left Galatia, there were a couple of uh, Jewish believers, missionaries, from Jerusalem who went to Galatia. And when they got there, they were thrilled to see that non-Jews had put their faith in Jesus. They were thrilled. But they said to these non-Jewish believers, if you truly want to be part of the people of God, if you truly want to be accepted by God, well, then you first have to become Jewish. You first have to become Jewish. And the way you do that is by obeying the law of Moses. And especially what's known as the works of the law. These were the, the outward signs that you were, the boundary markers showing everyone that you were Jewish. And so that included, firstly, the food laws. You could only eat kosher food. So no pork chops and bacon sandwiches. And you had to follow the sacred calendar. That's all the Jewish festivals. Especially you had to keep Sabbath. And then thirdly, and most importantly, circumcision. All males had to be circumcised. Ouch! Naturally, the, the Galatians objected. They said, whoa, 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 whoa. Paul never mentioned any of this. And, and we really like our pork chops and bacon sandwiches. And we do most of our trading on a Saturday. And we really don't like the idea of circumcision. To which these Jewish missionaries responded by saying, well, you know, Paul, Paul's a good guy. He's a good bloke, but he's got some funny ideas. And, and the reason he didn't tell you about circumcision and so on is because he's a, he's, a, he's a people pleaser. That's right. He's a people pleaser. And so he's watered down the gospel to please you. Uh, and you guys really need to believe us and trust us because we come from Jerusalem HQ, where all the proper apostles are. And this argument sounded very convincing to the Galatians. However, when Paul finds out about this, he is furious. He's furious. Is he furious because these uh, uh, Jewish missionaries had bad-mouthed him? Because his pride is hurt? No. He's furious because the gospel is at stake. And so he writes this red-hot, passionate letter. But what is the gospel? What is the gospel? Now, the word gospel simply means good news. And in verse 6, Paul uses the phrase, 
the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. So Paul uses that phrase as a cinnamon for the gospel. You see how he's contrasting the true gospel with a different gospel, but rather than saying true gospel, he uses this phrase, the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. That's the gospel. The gospel is the grace of Christ. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, as we looked at last week, it's, it's, it's the, the slogan of the Reformation. Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. That's the good news. The good news is Jesus died so that our sins could be forgiven. And, and, and Jesus paid the price in full. Therefore, there is nothing we need to do nor can do to earn God's love and acceptance and forgiveness because Jesus has already done it all. Christ alone. And this is a free gift. It's free. You don't have to pay anything. Grace alone. And the way we receive this free gift of salvation is by putting our faith, our trust in Jesus. Faith alone. That's the good news. The good news is God loves you. He died for you. There is absolutely nothing you need to do you just need to receive this free gift of salvation through faith. That's the good news. And for Paul, there is no other gospel. You see, if you change the gospel just a little bit, you know, like these Jewish missionaries that were trying to change the gospel, if you change the gospel just a little bit, it becomes no gospel at all. You see what he says at the end of verse 6 and the beginning of verse 7? Turn into a different gospel which is no gospel at all. You just make the slightest change to the gospel. You, you just can't do it because as soon as you do that, it's no longer the gospel. You see, it's either it's free or it's not free. Now, I often get these promotional emails in my junk box and they always say, get the latest product for free. And I'm always, wow, that's amazing. And then I read the next line, when you've spent £100 in our store. I'm like, that's not free. If I've got to pay £100, it's not free. It might be discounted, but it's not free. And that's what these Jewish missionaries were doing. You know, they, they believed that the way you were saved was through faith in Jesus, and, and that it was by grace. It was free, but... They just added one little requirement. You first had to become Jewish. You first had to obey all the works of the law, like circumcision and so on. You first had to pay 100 pounds in their store, and then you could get the free gift of salvation. But as soon as they added that little requirement, it was no longer free. It was no longer grace alone, and therefore it was no longer the gospel. And we also do that. We also do that. We, we say, well, you're only saved by putting your faith in Jesus, but... You've got to have a quiet time every day. You've got to read your Bible every day. You've got to go to church every Sunday. You've got to behave like me, act like me, speak like me. As soon as we add anything, it's no longer the gospel. It's no longer free. It's no longer the gospel anymore. And so Paul says that they were perverting the gospel. 
trying to pervert the gospel, verse 7. Now, the Greek word that's translated pervert actually means to, to turn inside out. It, it means to reverse. And so, and so we discover there is an order to the gospel. And the order is this, grace then works. God accepts you, loves you, and forgives you, grace, and therefore, as a result, we do good things, works. They were reversing the order. They were saying works, then grace. You first do things, and then because you've done things, then God will love you and accept you and forgive you. They had reversed the order. They had turned the gospel inside out. You see, we don't have to do anything in order to get God to love us and accept us and forgive us. No. God already loves us and accepts us and forgives us, and it's because of that that we do good things. You see, what we do, the good things we do, doesn't cause God to love us. No. It, it, it's, it's the love of God that causes us to do Good things. Grace then works. I can remember the first time I heard the gospel. It probably wasn't the first time I actually heard it. It was the first time that the penny dropped. You know what I mean? Uh, the first time it wasn't just head knowledge, but it actually penetrated the heart. Well, the first time I suddenly came to the realization how much God loved me. That he loved me so much that he died for me. And you know what the most amazing thing was? There was absolutely nothing I needed to do nor could do to earn that love. You know how mind-blowing that was for me? My whole life I'd been trying to do things to, to earn people's acceptance. I'd been trying to do well at sport so people would accept me and like me. I was trying to be cool and trendy so people would like me and accept me. But through Jesus' death on the cross, I discovered that God loved me unconditionally. And there was nothing I could do to make God love me more. And there was nothing I could do to make God love me less because God already loved me. He loved me because he loved me because he loved me. And when I was confronted with this amazing love of God, it demanded a response. I suddenly realized that I owed God everything. I owed God my whole life. And I decided there and then to surrender my life to Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to love Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Grace then works. And the reason why Paul's taking this so seriously is because if you reverse the gospel, if you pervert the gospel, it actually destroys your relationship with God. Notice what Paul says in verse 6. He says, notice how quickly they're deserting the one who called you. When you turn your back on the gospel, you're not just turning your back on a proposition. On, on a doctrine, on a belief system. You're actually turning your back on the one who called you. You're turning your back on God. Because it's only through the gospel that we can have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so when you turn your back on the gospel, you actually destroy your relationship with God. How's that? Well, let me explain. 
When you come to realize that God loves you, you suddenly realize, when you, when you really realize how much He loves you, that He died for you, you suddenly realize that you owe God everything. You owe God your whole life. And so you start doing everything out of the love of God. However, If you think you need to do things in order to earn God's love for you, when you do those things, you suddenly think God owes you. You get that? It becomes like a contractual relationship. Look, look, I've done this and this. Now you owe me. You owe me. You're not doing things out of the love of God, but you're doing it out of contractual relationship. I've done this. Now you owe me that. There's no love. There's no personal relationship. You become like a Pharisee. It's about rules. It's about rules. Or to put it another way, when, when you think you need to do things in, in, in order for, for God to, to love you, you start to think that God doesn't love you for who you are, but only loves you for what you do. And when you think that, you won't love God for who He is, but you'll only love God for what He will do for you becomes a contractual relationship. No love. No relation. No real relationship. And you become like a Pharisee. Religious, self-righteous, and judgmental. Your heart becomes hard and cold towards God. It's not about doing things out of the love of God. It's about rules, your rules. And you become judgmental and critical of other people who don't live up to your high standards. No joy. No love, no relationship. And Paul says that he's astonished how quickly people are deserting the one. He's amazed at how quickly people are giving up on the gospel and returning to a legalistic religion. And I'm often amazed at how quickly people give up on grace and return to works. I'm even amazed in my own life how how quickly and how I have a tendency to so quickly move from grace to works. I can remember I'd just been a Christian for, for a few years and, and God convicted me to, to give up drinking alcohol. You see, I, I was very young and at that point when I would drink alcohol, I would get drunk. I didn't know how to drink responsibly and so God convicted me on that. And, and so I, I gave up drinking alcohol completely. But it wasn't long that I, I moved from a grace mindset to a works mindset. And I started thinking, well, God's got to be impressed with me. I mean, look how good I am. I don't even drink alcohol. I'm so good. God, God owes me now. And I've started becoming very critical of other Christians who did drink. So I think, well, they can't be proper Christians. I became judgmental and critical. I became religious and self-righteous. But worst of all, I wasn't doing things out of a love for God anymore. I've forgotten that God had loved me for me, and I started doing things in order to earn God's love and acceptance, and I felt God owed me. God owed me. And slowly my heart was becoming hard and cold towards God. I'd become a Pharisee. You see, we often think the gospel is for non-believers. The gospel is just as much for believers as it is for non-believers. The book of Galatians is, is essentially written for recovering Pharisees like me. 
We all need to hear the gospel and be reminded of the gospel constantly. Verse 10, Paul says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, I want to highlight one word in that verse, and it's not the word you're thinking. And the word is now. (laughs) That little word tells us a lot. Paul says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings? Am I now trying to please people? That little word indicates to us that Paul has a reputation of being a people pleaser. He's known as being a person who always bends over backwards not to offend people. In fact, uh, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 33 that he tries to please everyone in every way. He is a people pleaser. And the reason he's a people pleaser is because he wants everyone to be saved. But he says, now, I'm not prepared to bend over backwards. Now, I don't mind if I cause offense because the gospel is at stake. And so what we discover over here is that there are a number, many issues, secondary issues that Paul is happy to agree to disagree. The, the, the big issue in his day was, should Christians eat food that has been offered to idols? Not, not a big issue for us, but it was a big issue for them. Paul's happy to agree to disagree. It's a, the reason why it's a secondary issue. It's not a gospel issue. And Christians disagree on a lot of things. Uh, We we disagree on baptism, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, predestination, women in leadership, should Christians drink alcohol or not, and so on and so on. Many things, but these are secondary issues. They're not gospel issues, and therefore Christians can agree to disagree. Even the hot topic of today of homosexuality is a secondary issue, not a primary, not a gospel issue. And so Christians can agree to disagree. However, when it comes to the gospel, Christians can't agree to disagree. It's too important. Our relationship with God depends on it. If you reverse the gospel, if you pervert the gospel... You will destroy your relationship with God and ultimately destroy the church. So this is the one thing Paul is saying that is worth fighting for. And this is why Paul is so furious. Because the gospel was at stake. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're kind of blown away with how passionate Paul was and how harsh he seemed to be in this portion of Galatians. But Father, as we reflect on the importance of the gospel, that it's only through the gospel that we can truly be in a relationship with you. We also just stand back in awe and amazed at how much you loved us. That that, that you loved us so much that you died for us. And in order for us to be forgiven and restored into a relationship with you, we don't have to do anything. There's nothing we need to do. We just need to receive it. 
And Father, we thank you again and again that it's not dependent on how good we are, how sorted we are, how successful we are, how spiritual we are, how popular we are. It's not dependent on how good we are, but it's just dependent on how good you are. And so, Father, we thank you that you love us because you love us, because you love us. And, Father, help us to receive that love. Help us to grow in that love. Help us to be motivated by everything we do. It's just out of, out of love for you. And Father, we confess that we, we like rules. We like religion. And we slip back into it so, good, uh, so quickly because it makes us feel good. It makes us feel like we've achieved it, that we, we, we've earned it, and, and that you owe us. Father, please forgive us for that. Please forgive us. Please free us from that works mindset. Free us from being religious. Free us from being judgmental and critical. And just fill our hearts with love. So that in everything and every way we can just reflect your love to others. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.